wanted to say thanks for listening to this episode. If you're not already subscribed, do subscribe and give this podcast a rating. It helps tremendously, helps other people find it. Without further ado, let's get into it. The Tao Te Ching of Lao Tzu is one of the most frequently translated, widely read, and deeply cherished books in the world. It is, to my mind, the wisest book ever written and one of the greatest gifts ever given to humankind. In the handful of pages that make up the Tao Te Ching, I believe there is an answer to each of life's questions, a solution to every predicament, a balm for any wound. It is less of a book than a living, breathing angel. How wonderfully ironic that a book as profound and simple as this bears a title that is difficult to translate. The word Tao has no close equivalent in our language. The way is one translation. The way the universe works is another. Neither is wholly satisfactory. It is fitting that the word remains enigmatic because the idea behind it is the essential enigma. We know that life and the universe have a source, but the nature and depth of that source lie beyond our ken. As for the rest of the title, Tay may be translated as goodness, virtue, or nature. Ching means book or sutra or scripture. What do we end up with? The book of the good and natural way. Lao Tzu is no less an enigma. His name is generally translated as old sage or less often old boy. My personal translation would be something like ancient infant, which suggests the combination of wisdom and suppleness that his philosophy embodies. According to legend, Lao Tzu was keeper of the imperial archives in what is now China during the Chao dynasty, some 2,600 years ago. During a period of chaos and disorder, he elected to leave civilization and go to live out his life alone in the mountains. As he approached the gate of the city, riding on the back of an ox, he was stopped by the gatekeeper. Learning of Lao Tzu's intentions, the man begged him to leave some written expression of his wisdom for the benefit of others. And so the story goes, the Tao Te Ching came into being. This was an excerpt from the foreword by Brian Brown Walker, who is the translator of this particular translation that I have before me. So Lao Tzu is the ancient Chinese philosopher, and he's considered the founder of Taoism. And Tao Te Ching is a small book. It is comprised of 81 short chapters, and it's a guide on how to live in harmony in your life. The Tao Te Ching emphasizes concepts like Wu Wei, which means non-action, and pursuing inner virtue, which we're going to get to. So when you're reading this, this concept of Tao sounds very familiar, if not identical, to this idea of Logos or of wisdom. And if you haven't listened to the episode we did on Proverbs, the book of wisdom in the Old Testament, check that out because there wisdom embodies herself as Lady Wisdom and is the one calling out to you to come and eat of her fruits. And similarly, when you're reading Tao Te Ching, Tao appears to be this ancient understanding of Logos, of wisdom that was before time stitched into the fabric of reality itself. And that's what it comes across as. Jumping straight into the Tao Te Ching. In chapter 33, Lao Tzu says, Knowing others is intelligence. Knowing the self is enlightenment. Conquering others is power. Conquering the self is strength. Know what is enough and you will be rich. 
preserve and you will develop a will. Remain in the center and you will always be home. Die without dying and you'll endure forever. This reminded me of what Confucius says in the Analects in Book 4, 8. If at dawn you learn of and tread the way, you can face death at dusk. Because when Lao Tzu says, die without dying, you'll endure forever. He means that you have to face your death. Because when you do, when you have faced your mortality, you realize that the life that you live now, you live on your own terms because you understand that you will die. And as such, you have a new perspective on life, on what it means to live. And here, Lao Tzu says, knowing others is intelligence, but knowing yourself is enlightenment. And we're going to get to that idea of knowing yourself a bit later on. But what again stood out to me was this other part when he says, conquering others is power, conquering the self is strength. And Buddha, on the episode that we did, one of the verses that I mentioned was this idea when he says, the one were to conquer a million men in battle, that man who conquers himself is the greater victor. It is much easier and much more desirable to many to want to rule over others, to have power over others. But the greatest strength lies in your ability to control yourself, to have the discipline, to conquer your lower man. That is where the strength lies. For when you have done that, you understand then, as Lao Tzu says, know what is enough and you'll be rich. You solve one of the greatest struggles in the human life, and that is greed. When you understand and you have strength because you have conquered yourself, you understand then what is enough. And in understanding when you have enough, you become rich because you don't want any more. And you no longer become a slave to this unwanted desire that always keeps you obey from attaining peace and attaining harmony. And so Lao Tzu in chapter 50 says, Between their births and their deaths, three out of ten are attached to life. Three out of ten are attached to death. Three out of ten just idly passing through. Only one knows how to die and stay dead and still go on living. That one hasn't any ideas, makes no plans. From this mysterious place of not knowing and not doing, he gives birth to whatever is needed in that moment because he is constantly filling his being with non-being. He can travel the wilds without worrying about tigers or wild buffaloes or he can cross a battlefield without armor or weapon. No tiger can claw him, no buffalo can gore him, no weapon can pierce him. Why is this so? Because he has died. There isn't any more room for death in him. What is Lao Tzu saying? He is saying that the man who has faced his mortality, he fears nothing afterwards because he has already died. He has already died to himself. He's already died to his passions. He's already died to the lower man. And now because the higher man rules, He can do whatever he wants to because what he desires and what is good align. And so death is no longer an enemy to him. Death becomes a friend. And this idea of not doing this Wu Wei in Chinese appears again when Lao Tzu says, From this mysterious place of not knowing and not doing, he gives birth to whatever is needed in this moment. Two things here. One is Tao Te Ching is filled with via negativas of not doing, of not knowing, of not understanding. And in not doing and not knowing and not understanding, you end up understanding, you end up knowing, and you end up doing. And it's filled with paradoxes. And that's why there are people who think that the Tao Te Ching 
is a confusing book and shouldn't be read. But one thing you have to keep in mind is, as Lao Tzu later on says, once you understand, you talk less and less. And near the end of the Tao Te Ching, on chapter 81, Lao Tzu says, True words aren't elaborate. Elaborate words aren't true. Good people don't argue. People who argue aren't good. People who know aren't full of facts. People who are full of facts don't know. The sage doesn't hoard. She increases her treasures by working for her fellow human beings. She increases her abundance by giving herself to them. The way to heaven benefits all, harms none, and the way of the sage work for all, content with none. Once you have understanding, once you have, once you're one with Tao, you no longer are arguing, you no longer are debating people because you have transcended that, you have gone beyond that. And all you're trying to do is pass on Tao to these others. One interesting thing to note, I read two translations of the Tao Te Ching, and in the other one specifically mentions, and also in here mentions that they'll translate the the sage as both in the feminine and in the masculine. And that's because, according to them, in classical Chinese, there is no distinction between masculine and feminine when Lao Tzu is writing. And so, plus... Lao Tzu places a very strong emphasis on the harmony between the masculine and the feminine and also talks a lot about motherly love and why that's important. And motherly love here means not simply the love of a mother, but mother as the Tao, the one that gives life, the one that is the source of all life. And so when I'm going through these sections, don't be alarmed when at times I'll say he and at times I'll say she. It's simply the way that Brian has translated the work. Lao Tzu is quite adamant that to have Tao in your life, you should have very little attachment. And he talks specifically about attachment to material things, right? To to riches, to fame. So in chapter 12, he says, Fancy things get in the way of one's growth. Racing here and there, hunting for this and that. Good ways to man your mind. That's all. Relinquish what is without. Cultivate what is within. Live for your center not for your senses. The first part of that makes sense. Fancy things get in the way of one's growth because when you are focused on material possessions, on gaining more things, you don't focus on becoming more virtuous, on becoming a better human because your mind is preoccupied by external things. Whereas when Lao Tzu says, relinquish what is without, cultivate what is within, live for your center, not for your senses. You start to get the idea that he wants you to push these things away, to abandon them. As a result of that, you are able to start cultivating what is within your virtues, your inner virtues, and you start living for your center, not for your senses, because your senses will deceive you to desire things that are ultimately perishable. But when he says live for your center, meaning when you live and your goal in life is to become better, then you start living life on your own terms. You are not easily swayed by external forces. And we're going to get to this just in a bit. And one quick thing to note here is when he says, racing here and there, hunting for this or that, good ways to man your mind, that's all. Truer words have not been spoken. Because when you are preoccupied and you're racing back and forth and you're wanting more and more and more, you always end up never being satisfied and you always want more. You always want more zeros in your account. You always want a better car. You always want a bigger home. And what always ends up happening is that this gap that is in your soul 
grows larger and larger with each gaining of your material wealth. So Lao Tzu says, relinquish what is without. Become detached to these things. If you have them, you have them. But do not let them control you. That is what Lao Tzu is getting at. So in chapter 3, he says, When praise is lavished upon the famous, the people contend and compete with one another. When exotic goods are traded and treasured, the compulsion to steal is felt. When desires are constantly stimulated, people become disturbed and confused. Therefore, the wise person sets an example by emptying her mind, opening her heart, relaxing her ambitions, relinquishing her desires, cultivating her character. Having conquered her own cunning and cravings, she can't be manipulated by anyone. What is Lao Tzu saying when he says you can't be manipulated by anybody because you've conquered your cunnings and your craving? He's saying that when you truly understand yourself, know all your ins and your outs, and you faced your demons, you've faced your shadows, you, you become immune to manipulations and platitudes because you are strong. You no longer have a need to want to please other people. You no longer have a need and desire to seek the praises of other people. As Epictetus says, if someone tried to take control of your body and make you a slave, you would fight for freedom. Yet how easily you hand over your mind to anyone who insults you. When you dwell on their words and let them dominate your thoughts, you make them your master. So Epictetus, in the same vein as Lao Tzu, is saying, you have to control your mind. You have to be the master of your mind. Because only then are you truly free. Only then can you go on and not be manipulated by other people. Only then can you grow and become wise. And to do that, you have to know yourself. Hence the famous Greek maxim inscribed upon the temple of Apollo, know thyself. And knowing thyself is no easy task. It's not like running where you run and there is no opponent clubbing your head, pushing you down to the ground, squeezing the life out of you. Right, knowing yourself is more like wrestling. Because when you wrestle, there is a vicious opponent. And in this case, your demons, your shadows, who wants to defeat you, who wants to club you, who wants to squeeze the life out of you. And if you're not careful, and if you're not trained, you will lose this battle. But the whole point that Lao Tzu is getting at is that you can win and you can conquer yourself. You can conquer your cunning and cravings so that you can no longer be manipulated by anybody. And so this next thing I think applies both to what he calls rulers generally and also rulers as in yourself personally. So Lao Tzu says, What makes people go hungry? Rulers eating up all the money in taxes. What makes people rebellious? Rulers who can't stop interfering. What makes people take death so lightly? People taking life so seriously. Those who enjoy life are wiser than those who employ life. So yes, of course, the first part makes sense. What makes people go hungry? Rulers eating up all the money in taxes. No further explanation needed for that one. But I think it also speaks to your own self. Right? What makes you, makes you go hungry and grow weak in this, not physically, but spiritually and mentally? It's because you've wasted all that energy of yours and spent it on trivial pleasures and spent it on ephemeral things. And what makes you rebellious? What makes you do the things that you hate to do, knowing full well that what you're about to do is wrong? As Dostoevsky, through The Underground Man, which is another episode we did, when he says, 
when I'm most conscious of what is wrong, that is when I commit it. And in this case, what makes people rebellious? What makes you rebellious? Rulers who can't stop interfering, meaning when you prevent yourself from getting into the state of Wu Wei, into the state of flow, where you are doing the task at hand in such a way that your whole being is, is engaged and there is no disconnection between you as a creator and the creation at hand, the thing that you are creating. So what do we do instead? Is to live in the present moment, to give yourself to this moment. That is when you enjoy life. Because if you're always thinking of the future moments and dreaming of another time, the future moment never comes because this moment is the future moment that you were waiting for in the past. And so if you cannot be satisfied, if you cannot find peace in the present moment, as Eckhart Tolle, another episode that we did, talks about, then no future moment will ever satisfy you. And you delude yourself into thinking that you're using this moment to get to the future moment where you'll be happy, where you'll have peace, where you have fulfillment. And what instead you're doing is that you are employing life. You are hijacking your own life. And as a result, your life will pass you by. And how many of us live like this? Live as if tomorrow is always going to be better than today. And we're wishing that today ends. How many people live for the weekend? They spend five days of the week dreading it and hating it and filled with anxiety only to be relieved for two days not even two days because on sunday that anxiety that existential angst returns and it's monday again what kind of life is that and how many live with this rapacious desire for more more fame more money more recognition more power more status but the reality is none of this is unique to you if you live like this because you are human and human nature has not changed since the dawn of civilization this rapacious desire for more is the animalistic desires that is embedded in all of us but we have to transcend it because in transcending it you realize that freedom true freedom is found in knowing when something is enough true freedom is having harmony and peace but to begin to transcend it you have to know yourself as Lao Tzu says Know the universe as yourself and you can live absolutely anywhere in comfort. Love the world as yourself and you'll be able to care for it properly. Going on into, he says, The best leader is one whose existence is barely known. Next best is one who is loved and praised. Next is one who is feared. Worst of all is a leader who is despised. If you fail to trust people, they won't turn out to be trustworthy. Therefore, guide others by quietly relying on Tao. Then, when the work is done, the people can say, we did this ourselves. Once you know yourself, you will find that you are not a random blimp of existence, but rather that contained within you is the cosmos, that you are a microcosm of the macrocosm, because everything is connected. Tao flows through you. You don't seek for affirmation from others, and you don't mind that you're not getting recognized for your work. As he says in chapter 15, because clarity is learned by being patient in the presence of chaos, tolerating disarray, remaining at rest, gradually one learns to allow muddy waters to settle and proper responses to reveal themselves. Those who aspire to Tao don't long for fulfillment. They selflessly allow the Tao to use them and deplete them. They calmly allow the Tao to renew and complete them. 
So in transcending it, you become a vessel for the Tao, according to Lao Tzu. So he goes on to say, Heaven is eternal, earth is everlasting. They endure this way because they do not live for themselves. In the same way, the wise person puts himself last and thereby finds himself first, holds himself outside and thereby remains at the center, abandons himself and is thereby fulfilled. It's interesting because when he says abandons himself and is thereby fulfilled, it sounds like Latsu is saying, abandon, throw yourself away. Does that mean hate yourself? Does that mean treat yourself poorly? But what I think Lao Tzu is getting here is that you abandon your selfish desires. You abandon the part of you, the animalistic part of you that wants the power, that wants the status, that lusts for more. Abandon that aspect of you. Right? Transcend it. Because only in doing that do you find fulfillment. There are multiple times that Lao Tzu talks about leadership and you know, when he says that a leader who is forgotten is the best leader, a leader who's loved is the second best, a leader who's feared is the next, and a leader who's hated is the worst. And in this situation, he says, the wise person puts himself last and thereby finds himself first. There's this idea of leadership where you lead from the back, where instead of pulling people, you push people forward. You push them to, to their goals, you give others the opportunity to grow. And as a leader, you are willing to wash people's feet. That concept of leadership is very similar to what Lao Tzu talks about in this book. In chapter 8, Lao Tzu says, In living, choose your ground well. In thought, stay deep in the heart. In relationship, be generous. In speaking, hold to truth. In leadership, be organized. In work, do your best. In action, be timely. So in order, in living, choose your ground well, meaning physically choose somewhere where you build your home to be secured, build it on a strong foundation. But on a personal level, in living, choose your ground well means have firm convictions, understand them, and be able to stand for it. Do not abandon your convictions because there is pressure from the outside. Second, in thought, stay deep in the heart. It is only in cultivating stillness, in cultivating silence in your own life that you can go deep and understand yourself and know yourself. And in knowing yourself, that is how you build out your conviction. That is how you build out an understanding of how to live well in this world. And more importantly, it is only in the stillness, in your ability to, to stay deep in the heart that you transcend this lower self of yours. According to Lao Tzu, it is through that that the Tao can flow in and out of you. In relationship, be generous. I think this speaks extremely direct to how the modern world understands relationship. So many people understand relationship as transactional. Oh, you are doing this, I am doing this. How can we help each other? How can we build each other up? Our business is up. How can I use you to help me? How can you use me to help you? And so on and so forth. And then the other part is people aren't willing to be generous with their time. It's always, hey, when can we meet up? Oh, let me look at my calendar. I'm too busy here. I'm too busy there. But you're not too busy to spend five hours in your week watching a movie or watching some TV show. But Lao Tzu says, in a relationship, you have to be generous because the most important thing in relationship, in building friendship, is your generosity, is your willingness to give without expecting something from the other person. And not only that, it's your willingness to give 
generously of your time. Time, that is the most precious thing. And for you to give that, that speaks tremendously to your character, to who you are. And when he says, in speaking, hold to truth. Being able to speak truth, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of discomfort, that builds character that nothing else can break down. And this comes with practice. Right? You cannot expect yourself to speak truth on some sort of grand scale if you don't know how to speak truth in the small, minute details in life. Similarly, if you're not courageous in the small things, how can you expect yourself to be courageous when the big thing happens to you? Moving on, when he says, in leadership, be organized, in work, do your best. This struck out to me, especially in work, do your best. Whatever it is that you're doing, whatever task is at hand, do it to the best of your ability. Do it excellently. This idea, I think, of craftsmanship is what Lao Tzu is getting at. Because a craftsman is engaged in this task and the craft itself ends up having this reciprocal relationship with the creator where the creator becomes better not only as a craftsman as an artisan but also as a human being because he in pursuit of mastery and is in pursuit of excellence through his work and i loved this next bit when he says if you compete with no one no one can compete with you it's interesting because lao tzu says that tao is in all things we all come from tao right the source of all things and in one sense, we are all one. However, there is again this paradox. If you compete with no one, no one can compete with you. And that's precisely because you are you. And that other person is another person. The more you can understand who you are, the more you know who you are, you no longer have the need to show off who you are to somebody else. You no longer have the need to play in the same field, the same category as somebody because because there's nobody else like you. There is only one version of you, and that version is now. So whatever it is that you're doing, understand that you are fully in competition with nobody. And so whatever task you're doing, do it to the best of your ability, and always speak truth, and always cultivate silence. And finally, choose your ground well. And when you're leading, be organized. So now we get to this idea of Wu Wei, meaning doing by not doing. So in chapter 3 and in chapter 63, he says, Do by not doing, act with non-action, allow order to arise of itself. Chapter 63, he says, Act by not acting, accomplish by not straining, understand by not knowing. Sounds very contradictory, right? How can you act by not acting? How can you know by not knowing? How can you accomplish something by not straining? The best way to understand this is by having an understanding of flow state. Because when you're in flow state, right, when you're in the zone, your whole being is focused on the task at hand. And as a result, you have no thoughts. You become thoughtless because you're fully engaged. In, and if you've ever experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you can experience this in any activity that you do. Sometimes people experience it in a very minor way when you're driving, right? If you do a particular drive from home to work and you do a drive every day, there will be times when you get into a flow state that you go from your office and back to your home and you can't remember how you got 
home, right? Because you've been so engrossed in the task that your mind loses all thought. And that right there is what Lao Tzu is talking about. He's talking about do by not doing, act with non-action, act by not acting, accomplish by not straining, understand by not knowing. So a master becomes one with his craft when his action is flowing from within him. He gets into a state of total flow and he gets into a zone. And this is what Lao Tzu is getting at. And we know from Csikszentmihalyi, the book that we did a few episodes ago, that when the more you can cultivate states of flow, or flow states, the happier you are in your life, the more satisfaction and fulfillment you have in your life. This leads us into this idea of Tao. So Lao Tzu says in chapter 41, when a wise person hears Tao, he practices it diligently. When an average person hears Tao, he practices it sometimes, and just as often ignores it. When an inferior person hears Tao, he roars with laughter, if he didn't laugh, it wouldn't be Tao. Thus the age-old saying, the way to illumination appears dark. The way that advances appears to retreat. The way that is easy appears to be hard. The highest virtue appears empty. The purest goodness appears soiled. The most profound creativity appears fallow. The strongest power appears weak. The most genuine appears unreal. The greatest space has no corners. The greatest talent matures slowly. The greatest voice can't be heard. The greatest image can't be seen. Tao is hidden and has no name. Tao alone nourishes and fulfills all things. And how true it is about people who laugh at Tao Te Ching because they think it's silly that these short 81 chapters are somehow meaningful. But that's precisely what Lao Tzu is getting at. He's saying, look, when an inferior person hears Tao, he roars with laughter because the whole point of Tao is similar to this idea of parables. To understand a parable, you have to have wisdom. You have to have some sort of knowledge. And only through that can you understand the hidden meaning that is put inside of a parable. And so Lao Tzu says, when a wise person hears Tao, he practices it diligently. He practices it because he understands that Tao is in all things. And if somebody allows themselves to be a vessel for Tao, their life will be significantly more harmonious. Most of us fall into this part when he says, that when an average person hears Tao, he practices it sometimes and just as often ignores it. And so this brings up again the importance of consistency, of persistence, especially on the days on the, and times when you don't feel like doing it. You don't feel like practicing Tao. We don't feel like listening to wisdom, right? Those are the days that you should do it. And later on, he says, when the world practices Tao, horses fertilize the fields. When the world ignores Tao, horses are bred for war. There is no greater calamity than desire, no greater curse than greed. Know that enough is enough and you'll always have enough. The last part we've spoken about previously, what struck out to me was a sentence when he says, the world practices Tao. Like when the world practices Tao, horses fertilize the field, right? You use the horse to cultivate the fields to bless other people. But when the world ignores Tao, horses which are used for the farm to plow farmlands are now bred to go to war and to help kill other men. And so he says, there is no greater calamity than desire, no greater curse than greed. And this curse is in reference to humanity. We are cursed with greed, the lust of wanting more. 
And so he goes on to say, know that enough is enough and you'll always have enough because because if you cannot be manipulated into wanting more through social media, through marketing, through peer pressure, then that is wisdom. The next thing he says is absolutely beautiful. And I quote, filling to fullness is not as good as stopping at the right moment. Over sharpening a blade causes its edge to be lost. Line your home with treasures and you won't be able to defend it. Amass possessions, establish positions, display your pride. Soon enough, disaster drives you to your knees. This is the way of heaven. Do your work, then quietly step back. Lao Tzu is getting here at the lesson of moderation. Do everything in moderation. And this is similar to when Aristotle says that to achieve eudaimonia, eudaimonia here meaning happiness and fulfillment, you need the golden mean. And that is the application of moderation. Because virtues are the middle way. Virtue represents the balance between two extremes, excess and deficiency. Courage is the gold mean between cowardice and recklessness. So similarly, if you've ever sharpened a knife and you've gone too far, you've sharpened it too much, what ends up happening is one of two things. Either it's so sharp that the first thing you cut breaks the edge because it's too thin, or you over sharpen it such that there is no longer an edge and you can no longer cut anything. So you always have to find the middle way. And so excess of anything is a detriment to your personal life generally. Moving to the next thing, Lao Tzu says, a man who tiptoes can't stand, a man who straddles can't walk, a man who shows off can't shine, a man who justifies his action isn't respected, a man who boasts of his achievements has no merit, a man who brags will not endure to a person of Tao. These things are excess food and superfluous behavior because nothing good can come of them. He doesn't indulge in them. So the person who has Tao, the person who is wise, he doesn't engage in any excess because nothing good comes from them. And so Lao Tzu says, the greatest virtue is to follow Tao and only Tao. You might say, but Tao is elusive, evasive, mysterious, dark. How can one follow that? By following this, out of silent, subtle mystery emerges images. These images coalesce into forms. Within each form is contained the seed and essence of life. Thus, do all things emerge and expand out of darkness and emptiness. So what is this Tao that Lao Tzu is talking about? Out of the silent, subtle mystery emerges images. These images coalesce into forms. Within each form is contained the seed and essence of life. There's a few things here. When you read the Tao Te Ching, and he's talking about Tao specifically, the thing that emerges from it all is this idea of the sage's ability to sit in the stillness, to be able to allow his mind not to be distracted by anything, to live in the present moment and not feel the tug to the future and not feel the tug to the past, to be fully present in this moment. And this is what Lao Tzu is getting at. Thus, do all things emerge and expand out of darkness and emptiness. Your mind is noisy for the most part, is always distracted. But when you can turn and tune it down, what you'll notice is that your mind is filled with darkness. And not darkness in this evil sense and emptiness in, in an evil sense, but darkness in so far as the noise is subsided and there is silence. And in that silence is when you'll find Tao.
So Lao Tzu goes on to say, Why have sages prized Tao for so long? Because with Tao, he who seeks finds, and he who has flaws is forgiven. This is why it is the treasure of the world. And this reminded me of Jesus' parable of the hidden treasure and parable of the great pearl in Matthew 14, when Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And immediately following that, Jesus tells the parable of the great pearl. Quote, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Very similar to what Lao Tzu is saying here. When you find Tao, you are willing to sell all that you have just to get the Tao. You are like the man who finds the treasure in a field and goes and sells everything and buys the whole land just to get the treasure. And like the merchant who seeks for pearl and on finding just one pearl of great value, goes and sells all that he has just to buy that pearl. Because in finding this pearl, this pearl is wisdom, this pearl is Tao. When you find it, you have found the mysteries of the universe, that which has been stitched into the fabric of reality. You're able to transcend your finiteness through this infinite thing called a Tao, wisdom. So Lao Tzu says, which is more precious, fame or health? Which is more valuable, health or wealth? Which is more harmful, winning or losing? The more excessive your love, the greater your suffering. The larger you hoard, the heavier your losses. Knowing what is enough is freedom. Knowing when to stop is safety. Practice these and you'll endure. What he's getting here is, the more you have to lose, the more fragile you become. And going back to that first sentence, what is more precious, fame or health? What is more valuable, health or wealth? Think of the last time that you were sick. The last time that you had a severe fever. In that moment when you are under the cover and your temperature is going through the roof, what is the one thing you wanted more than anything else? Was it fame? Was it wealth? Was it power? Was it status? No, it was good health. And that's what Lao Tzu understands here. Health is more precious than fame. And also, health is more valuable than wealth. And going down a bit further on that sentence when he says that the more excessive your love, the greater your suffering. That's interesting. Reminds me of what Buddha says in the Dhammapada when he's teaching his followers that the more attached you are to this world, whether that's through love, whether that's through your hatred, the greater your suffering is. And so you must learn to overcome the suffering by becoming detached, to not have excessive love. Now, the difference between the Buddha and Lao Tzu here is Lao Tzu actually goes on to say later on in chapter 67, he says, Venture with love and you win the battle. Defend with love and you are invulnerable. Heaven's secret is motherly love. Ultimately, even for Lao Tzu, he understands and realizes that love is the most important thing. When you have Tao, you understand that love is the most important thing in everything that you do. And so I wrote down a note here, St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 13. And that verse reads, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have no love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not loved, I have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at its wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Sounds similar to venture with love and you win the battle. Defend with love and you are invulnerable. Heaven's secret is motherly love. And so in all that you do, do it out of love. And there is a fantastic chapter when he says in chapter 47, Without going out the door, you can know the world. Without looking out the window, you can see heaven. The further you travel, the less you know. Thus, the wise person knows without traveling, understands without seeing, accomplishes without acting. This is a reminder that you do not need to leave where you are to become wise, to gain wisdom, to get Tao. Because Lao Tzu says, Thus, the wise person knows without traveling, understands without seeing, accomplishes without acting. The idea here is the one who travels to find himself, the one who travels to seek new experiences. Lao Tzu knows that you're going to gain new experience by traveling the world, by seeing new things. But what he doesn't believe in is this idea that you have to travel to become wise. Because only people who do not understand how wisdom works will claim that you have to be well-traveled to have understanding to have understanding of other people. Because ultimately, Lao Tzu knows that even if you live here in the US, or you live in the UK, or you live in China, though they are different cultures, they are all the same species. They're all human beings. And to understand human beings, you do not need to travel beyond yourself. You are a human being. And so if you understand yourself, you will gain wisdom and you do not need to travel. That's why he says, without going out the door, you can know the world. Without looking out the window, you can see heaven. The further you travel, the less you know. Thus the wise person knows without traveling, understands without seeing, accomplishes without acting. And in this next section is where the famous thousand miles quote comes. Lao Tzu says, The greatest tree springs from a tiny shoot. The tallest tower is built from a pile of dirt. A journey of a thousand miles begins at your feet. What he means here is you must be humble enough to start at the beginning. You have to be willing to become a fool to become wise. You have to be willing to not know anything so that you can know everything. A man who is wise is not born, right? but he becomes one with time. And all this requires that you start somewhere. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It's your willingness to start now that makes the biggest difference and your ability to stay consistent and persistent over time. That is what will allow you to become great at whatever it is that you do. And so Lao Tzu says, the sage does not interfere, so he doesn't fail, doesn't hold on, so he doesn't lose. Again, this idea of detachment, but more specifically here is not holding on to trivial goods, to prizes, praises from others, and also not interfering on your own progress, right? By stopping and by attaching your identity to it, what it is that you're doing. Because when you attach yourself to the particular act that you're doing, your emotions will go up and down 
in correlation to how well that thing is going. But if you can be detached, as he says, and you don't hold on, then you don't end up losing because you are in it for the long haul. You're in it to do it for the rest of your life. And if you can view it that way, then you become a sage. And the most important thing in all of this, the key aspect of it all is humility. And so Lao Tzu says, humility is the root of greatness. Those in high positions do well to think of themselves as powerless, small, and unworthy. Isn't this taking humility for the root? Attain honor without being honored. Don't shine like jade or chime like bells. If you are humble and have humility, then there is no need to seek external accolades to affirm what it is that you are doing. Right? You're not looking to shine like a jade or chime like bells for people to hear. You're doing it for yourself. Ultimately, you live your own life. Nobody else lives your life for you. And so what I want to end with is this thing that he says quite early on in, in chapter 14 when he's talking about Tao. It reminds me of Miyamoto Musashi's, another episode that we did, so check that one out, when Musashi talks about the book of the void, when he says, that which cannot be seen, the void is that which cannot be seen. By knowing things that exist, you can know that which does not exist, is what Musashi says. And Lao Tzu says, looked at but not seen, listened to but not heard, grasped for but not held, formless, soundless, intangible. The Tao resists and defies comprehension. Its rising is not about light. Its setting, not a matter of darkness. Unnameable, unending, emerging continually and continually pouring back into nothingness. It is formless form, unseeable image, elusive, evasive, unimaginable mystery. Confront it and you won't see its face. Follow it and you can't find an end. Perceive its ancient subtle heart. However, and you become master of the moment. Know what came before time, and the beginning of wisdom is yours. And with that, the challenge for this week is to be present in the moment. And as Lao Tzu says, you become a master of the moment, and you gain understanding. The second thing is to ask yourself, what are things in your life that you are attached to that are causing you harm? Once you can identify those, Detach yourself from it. And the third thing is to ask yourself whether you are still living for the praises of other people. And if that's the case, why is it that you are doing that? And so with that, I'll wrap. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you're not already subscribed, do subscribe and give this podcast a rating on Spotify or an Apple. Until next week, peace. Peace.